Welcome to the Soybean Pod, brought to you by South Dakota soybean farmers and their checkoff. I'm Tom Stever, discussing the incredible soybean, the people who grow it, and why that crop is so important. U.S. grown soybeans provide the world with a huge amount of essential protein. From feed for livestock and aquaculture to directly feeding people, the United Soybean Board's mission is to maintain global demand for soy nutrition, as well as for sustainable, environmentally friendly industrial products. In this edition of the Soybean Pod, we'll learn more about USB's strategy for maintaining high demand for U.S. grown soybeans. Good morning, everyone. I'm April Hemmes. I'm a farmer in North Central Iowa, and I am the demand chairman of the United Soybean Board. How is the United Soybean Board building markets abroad? That's a great question, and boy, do we have things going on. You can't talk about markets and exports without talking about China. They are the world's number one soy importer, and we've been working there for over 40 years. In fact, I just attended the China International Import Expo in Shanghai, and believe it or not, they had 500,000 attendees, which is amazing. So I was in the agricultural part, and USDA had a booth there for the first time right across from the U.S. soy booth, and it's just amazing how... China, I did a lot of interviews, but with everything that's going on, what I emphasized, especially from agriculture, is China needs our products and we need China to import our products. And that's really the main message there, Uh, especially since they import almost half or over half of our soybeans that we export. So aquaculture is growing worldwide. It's amazing how how much it's growing, and that's getting more protein to people in need. And there's no better protein to feed those fish than soybean meal. So that's a good place for our soybean meal to be exported. And what's really become amazing, so I've been to China quite a bit. The first time was talking about our sustainability assurance protocol, and now we have a logo to go on it because consumers around the world are asking for They're wondering, just like here in America, how is our food being raised? Where is it coming from? So we now have that sustainability logo they can put on their food, you know, which is a great selling point. It's really quite amazing how these consumers really have taken to caring about how their food is raised. And what I hear all over the world is, American farmers are the best and most sustainable in the world. And that really gives me great pride. And it really makes that logo and where those soybeans come from and corn really take a front seat to all the other products. April, some people I've talked to within the United Soybean Board and the U.S. Soybean Export Council do, as you said, place a lot of importance on China as a primary market for U.S. soybeans. But there's the rest of the world, and there's the matter of not putting all our eggs in one basket. How important is it to pay attention to markets other than China? 
Unbelievably, and we sure found that out when the tariffs came into place. And we had actually at the United Soybean Board a few years earlier decided to shift our focus to those emerging markets. One of note, which I remember in that meeting, I said, what about Nigeria, you guys? They're the fastest growing population, not the largest. They will be the third largest, I believe, the third most populous nation within the next 25 years. So we really have to look at those. And remember, I said we've been in China for 40 years, so we have to start in those markets. But what we found out by doing that, places like Nigeria, India, and other places, is they realize how great our soybeans are and what a great need they can fill in getting their people the best protein they can. So it's been great to see those new markets evolve. Just to know that the farmers saw that need before we really had to uh, rely on it. So it's been a great experience to watch all those markets come to fruition. And aquaculture, we don't have that much aquaculture in the U.S., but boy, let me tell you, worldwide, they really depend on that protein and really are looking at soybean meal to feed those fish. So watching the emerging markets come along, we have WISH, which is the world initiative for soy and human health. And they go into those places like Cambodia and get that infrastructure going. And then the United Soybean Export Council comes in and takes over so we can import our soybeans there. So it's really a great team we have working worldwide. When it comes to new uses, April, what are some recent investments on USB's radar for new uses? I love talking about this because It goes back to the sustainability question, and people are looking for that different answer. Our chairman, Megan Kaiser, loves to talk about her soybean straws, because I grew up with paper straws, and they get mushy, let's face it. But the the straws made out of soybean, the bioplastics, you know, are biodegradable after 90 days, so they're a great answer to those plastic straws. A newer one, which we've been working on for years, and it's just getting approval, is the firefighting foam. So a lot of those are, you know, had those forever chemicals in it. So now they're finding soybean meal replaces that and is doing a better job than what it was. And of course, we can't talk about new uses without biofuels. Renewable diesel is really emerging, sustainable aviation fuel. We have an Iowa farmer that came up with the idea and we made them in Iowa. It was, yes, I raise rocket fuel or I raise airplane fuel. So, you know, it's a great story to tell that we have those answers to a lot of the questions people are asking. Goodyear's doing soy tires, but truthfully, my favorite is the asphalt project. And we had it at a few years ago at the Farm Progress show. They put down the soy asphalt, which is made instead of the chemicals and petroleum oil is made with soybean oil, how like soybean oil. But that project started with Iowa Soybean, went to Iowa State University to come up with, can you do something with this high oil? And then they brought in private industry with the asphalt producers, and then the state Iowa Department of Transportation came on board. So you have state, private, QSSBs, the qualified soybean boards, and public university all coming together. And then they came to United Soybean Board to really 
push it over the finish line, as we call it, and do a lot of the expensive trials and things like that. And now it's a commercial product. And that's what we're all about, is bringing more value to the commodity we raise for the farmers. I want to talk more about nutrition before we move on, but how does the United Soybean Board work with the Animal Nutrition Working Group to bolster animal nutrition? Yeah, this is probably my favorite thing to talk about because I was an animal science major at Iowa State University and had cattle and hogs and grew up with chickens and poultry and everything else on a farm. But we've taken the top nutritionists from the, a lot of top companies you know, around the U.S. and they say, this is what we need. We go out and get the projects. They go through them to see really how we can make our dollars go farther and how we can really push this industry. And with the demand now for soybean oil, rather than the meal, we're really going to have to, like everyone says to me, what are we going to do with all the meal? Well, this is our answer. We're doing a lot of research. If we can just increase by 1% the soybean meal for swine, it's $10 more value to the meal. And for poultry, it's $12 plus more value to the meal. So that's what's really important. Like I said, bringing those dollars back to the soybean farmers finding the right research, putting it all together is really amazing. And that's how we're working on the animal nutrition part of it and working with industry leaders to come up with the right projects and really make more demand for meal. All right, let's talk about human nutrition. In that regard, April, the United Soybean Board works with a group called SNI Global. What is that relationship, and how does USB partner with SNI Global on human nutrition? Well, Tom, I'm so glad you asked, because I am on the Soy Nutrition Institute board, believe it or not. I got put on that years ago, and what it is is industry who uses, so think of Impossible Burger, Kellogg's, Danone, people like that who use soy products in their food, plus we have research people, I call them smarty pantses, but they're the ones who do the research and really they work like the animal nutrition working group only in the human aspect of it, what we should research, how we should research it, things like that. So you bring in private industry, plus we have the United Soybean Board. So we have four farmers that sit on that board. And I love it because I get to tell the story of my farm to these people who are using our product. And quite frankly, it's eye-opening on both of our parts. And with the increase in the plant-based foods, there is no better plant-based protein than soybeans for human use. It's truly amazing. My favorite story there, I was a work group lead for health and nutrition on the United Soybean Board a few years ago. And I said, what do you guys really want to do in this area to my group of farmers? It was about 12 or 15 of them. And one said, we really need to work on childhood obesity. And I said, okay. So we kind of put that down as one of our priorities. And believe it or not, so had the researchers on SNI. So it was farmer foresight and researchers coming together, and now we're funding a uh, fatty liver disease for children, and it's really become very prevalent. So looking at how soybean and diets can help that, 
it's really kind of, it's great when it all comes together and it works and our soybean investments from the checkoff are working to do good for humans. Years ago, I would talk to people who were involved in the export of, of soybeans and talk about human nutrition. They said, well, it's really kind of a drop in the bucket compared to what livestock need around the world. And that of course, is still likely the case. Very true. But I want to know from your perspective, being so involved in SNI Global, what you see as the future for human nutrition in soy demand. Well, I think it'll do nothing but grow, um, especially with a spotlight on plant-based diets. It is honestly a drop in the bucket, but I just talked to a farmer who went to the... um, dietitians conference. So we attend things like that. And he had never been. And he came back and called me and he said, April, I hopped in the combine and I'm combining beans. And I, I know only a few of those are going to that, but there is nothing better we can do to promote our soybeans than to these people. He goes, I never stopped talking the whole time. They had so many questions. They were so interested in how we raise the food and getting out there and telling our story, it really helps our story along and helps the soybeans around the world. Even though it is a small part of it, it's all a part of the bigger story we have to tell. Speaking of story, everyone has their own story about how and why they became farmers. Yours is very interesting, April. It's a family farming operation that very likely has served as inspiration for others. Give us a snapshot of your farming operation and how you became involved. Boy, I grew up on the farm. It is my, this farm has been in my family over 120 years. And what I always say, what makes me a little bit different than the guys is I'm the farmer. My husband goes to work. He has the real job. Doesn't help me on the farm. He will if I beg, trust me. But but I do everything from banking to beans, I always say. So it's all on me. I love it. I wouldn't have got into it if not my grandfather. I farmed with my dad and grandpa. He lived to be 101 years old. Combined corn at 100 and planted beans at 100. So, boy, the stories he had to tell, and I loved hearing them. And people asked me about the future of agriculture. And I said, are you kidding me? My grandpa started farming with horses and lived long enough to see auto steer Think of what we're going to see in our lifetime. So I have nothing but high hopes for agriculture in the future. You're serving as a bridge from your grandfather. Remarkable, I might add, and how long he farmed and his passion for farming. But what importance do you place on the heritage of farming, the legacy that your grandfather left? A lot, because what he always emphasized was soil health and keeping that soil healthy. Now we hear all about sustainability and regenerative ag, and I do interviews or else, you know, I go, well, what do you think is sustainable or regenerative? And they tell me, and I go, well, I call that farming because that's what we've been doing on our farm and many other farmers. I'm not alone in that. You know, he really instilled the healthier the soil, the healthier the plant. And that's how I look at it. Now, I have one daughter. She probably won't come home and farm, but she will manage the farm. 
and she knows how important that is. And she actually is very excited and, and loves to learn about it. So I'm looking forward, and so is she, to uh, carrying this farm on in the next century. I want to get to know you a little bit better personally, April. I have a sense that you don't have a lot of free time, but what do you no. like to do in your downtime? What are your hobbies? Oh, my. Other than interviews? Um <laughs> I love to travel. I was an exchange student, so I'm kind of planning a trip to Australia. I was an exchange student in Australia. We're headed back there. I love to have people on the farm to come out and see the farm. Love photography, but I don't. I used to do it a lot more. Hopefully, I'll be doing it more in the future. And uh, just getting together with family and friends. I have not had a lot of time, and I just love to get back to that and um, just spend more time with family. People always ask me, I've been so fortunate to travel the world for the United Soybean Board and other organizations. And they always ask me, where's the your favorite place? Where's the best place you've been? And I always say home. I've never found anywhere I want to be more than home. So maybe just spend more time at home. Do you plan to reconnect with a host family in Australia? Yeah, actually, we're in contact quite a bit. And my host brother just came here. He was an exchange student in Monticello, Iowa. So he comes back for reunions. So he just stopped with his host brother and we had lunch out on the porch with their wives. So it's just great to have that connection. And they were on a farm out there. So I was out literally in the middle of nowhere in Australia. Those connections are so fun to have and meeting up with them. It's great. And we hosted an exchange student also. She was from Switzerland. So I've been to see her. We've been to see her a couple of times. Having connections all over just broadens your view of the world. April, you seem to relish being a cheerful servant to your colleague farmers. What can you suggest for others who might be on the fence about serving in farm leadership positions? This is truly a passion of mine, especially getting women into farm leadership because they're so hesitant. And I know I waited till my kids were grown till they could drive there. And um, but family always comes first. But having your voice, you have a strong voice and telling your story and being out there. Yes, it takes time, but it is so worth it. And just having a diversity, I mean, young, old men, women, I don't care Having the diversity on the board has, it's just so great. And the networking and the people you meet along the way are phenomenal. I can't say much more, but the people I have met and have retained friendships with, that's what's great. And building your leadership skills and then moving on. If that's truly what you want to do, start small. You know, I did a lot of county stuff. I still do county things and uh, Iowa things, but moving on up has been great too. I believe it's been worth my time away from home. In fact, now when I'm home for like two weeks, my husband will go, don't you have somewhere to go? So it's kind of a joke between us. It truly is a passion and I love doing it because I love agriculture and what we do. If you want to find out any more about what the United Soybean Board is doing, go to unitedsoybean.org. And that has all the references and a lot of the projects I've talked about. We truly are making great investments with your farmer dollars. Have you completed harvest and how was it? Oh, yes. So I had half the rain I usually do, eight inches or so. 
I gave up on the crop in June, like most farmers do. We lose our crop a couple of times. And I am thrilled to say I pulled in a record harvest. Best corn I've ever had and the best soybeans. So it's amazing what the technology and these seeds have done. And I obviously got the rain at just the right time to really pull that crop through. Never underestimate an August or September rain for soybeans. I was in a great area. North of me and south of me were not good. They were below average by far. So I just got lucky this year. United Soybean Board Farmer Leader April Hemis from North Central Iowa. The Soybean Pod, covering this incredible crop, those who grow it, and the many ways it's used is available wherever you get your podcasts and at sdsoybean.org. Brought to you by South Dakota Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. We're also on the air on the South Dakota Soybean Network. Thank you for listening. I'm Tom Stever.